0: Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hi, Don. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you
1: as well,
0: J.J. We are on part seven. Ah, uh, yes. It, this is the dun,
1: dun, 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 the climactic scene. This is the
0: final one yes. uh, of this series, and we we basically gone through the Story Brand seven part framework. Yes, I really the first enjoyed doing that. Seven weeks you. of 2019. I have two. Mm-hmm. We should, we need to do more series. Yeah. We need to do more like, you know, like all these other really well-known podcasts. (laughs) We should do... Just a bit of a murder mystery every episode. <gasps> yes, please.
1: <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> it would actually please. be fun to write that. Yeah.
0: Now people are going to expect it.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> this series has we'll been less Tim about a murder mystery and more about growing your business. <laughs> yeah. And it's we, we've gone through each point in the framework. If you've read Building a Story Brand or attended our live workshop, you know what it is. And it's seven part marketing framework based on the elements of story. Yeah. So go all the way back to the beginning of 2019. If you haven't listened to all seven podcast, and we will explain the seven-part framework slowly. Yeah. If you want to make sure you're doing it right, come see us at a live workshop in Nashville, Tennessee. You can yeah. register that at storybrand.com. But the seven-part framework is, in summary, you have a character that's mm-hmm. your customer. You got to define what they want. That's how the story gets started. Define their problem, and the story gets interesting. Yeah. That hooks them in, and it's like a magnet pulling them toward you, because once you agitate that problem, they want to solve it. Position yourself as the guide. Never play the hero. That's a great episode. Go back and listen to that. Provide a plan for your customer. That was a great interview with Horst Schultz, the co-founder of Ritz Carlton. And then you want to call them to action, mm-hmm. challenge them to take action. And then the sixth, we kind of reversed it a little bit, was failure. You yeah. want to talk about what failure you're helping your customer avoid. Yep. And then finally, you want to paint a vision of your customer's success. Yes. What will their life look like if they do business with you? That's the principle. At the end of this podcast, I'm going to tell you one practical thing you can do based on this idea that will make you more money. That's at the end of the podcast, so (laughs) stick around for that. But, JJ, you've done a little bit of research, yeah. and why is it so important to, in story structure, to create this scene that people can envision or foreshadow?
1: Well, the climactic scene or the happy ending that you're putting into a story is all based on your desire to actually change people's beliefs okay. so if you want people to change their beliefs and attitudes about an idea about a product about something you have to cast a successful vision or a happy ending at the end of the story in order to do that
0: so in story structure it's like we know at the beginning of a rom-com you know that this thing is going to end with them at a wedding yep. or it's gonna you know like like if, love. Yeah, I yeah. can't think of a movie like You know, like yeah, if Julia no Roberts is marrying the wrong and guy <laughs> and she needs to marry the right guy and the yeah. wedding gets disrupted, that's the inciting incident. Yeah. But they have also foreshadowed the climactic scene that yes. the guy who interrupted the wedding needs to be the groom yes. at the end of the movie. And if you don't foreshadow that climactic scene, it's very hard for people to pay attention and And figure out what this movie is about. When
1: you forecast that scene, so let's say you're forecasting the successful ending of True Love Wins, right? So not Obligation Wins, but True Love Wins. So Julia Mm, Roberts ends up with that. That's the
0: the philosophical climax, yeah. So
1: you're actually, when you forecast that Julia should be with the other guy- You're forecasting a belief, a happy ending for a belief that true love wins. Now, if you want to forecast a happy ending that she stays with the wrong guy out of (laughs) obligation, and you want that belief to be strong, then really you have to- you have a duty. You have a duty. Duty is better, when there are some movies like that. Exactly. And so when you're forecasting success, so whether you're doing it for, let's say for your customer, you're saying this is what life is going to be like at the end of the story. You're going to have more time on your hands. You're going to have more freedom on your hands. You're going to be able to be a better parent. And you start forecasting that in the story, it actually influences the beliefs of the person who's hearing the story. Yeah. And so that's why success becomes so powerful. It actually illustrates that you've overcome the problems. And when you establish problems earlier of this is bad, this is how it makes you feel, and this is what's wrong with the world, the philosophical piece of the problem, the climactic scene, the successful ending, overcomes those problems and says, philosophically, this is what you need to believe and think.
0: The whole journey of a story is a character goes from unstable to stable. Yeah. It's actually from stable very quickly to unstable and then back to stable yes. over about 90 minutes or two hours. And that's a story. So if you clearly define the instability, which is the problem, listen yep. to second episode of 2019, yeah. we talk about that. The climactic scene foreshadows, here's what your life is going to look like yeah. when your problem is resolved. It motivates the behavior away from instability toward the yes. foreshadowed stability. That all sounds really philosophical. Yeah. <laughs> Let's break it down to what it looks like in marketing. We talk a lot about Dave Ramsey, because I think Dave Ramsey naturally plays the guy, yeah, and, yeah. He, and he just does this without thinking about it. He does a debt-free scream on his radio show. So he had, Tim, our producer, has done the debt-free scream on Dave's radio show. Yeah. actually went into the studio and did it. You know, if Dave's doing that every day on his radio show, celebrating a person or a couple or a family who, uh-huh. with debt-free, he is literally putting their climactic scene on the air. Their journey is now a success, mm-hmm. and he's foreshadowing that for millions of listeners every day. It's no wonder he's a $200 million <laughs> organization yeah. because people have a clear mental map of what this process looks like and where we need to go. It's just super, super clear. He does the work for the customer, so they don't have to do it themselves.
1: And that is the key, what you said, clear. So that actually also is backed up by research, that the more specific and the more clear you are. It cannot be vague. It cannot be vague. You're going to to be be happy
0: if you. you No, your headache's going to go away, and you're going to be able to go with the kids to it. It has to be specific
1: and clear, and you're forecasting that at the end. And that's why happy endings are so good in movies is because we actually what you're doing is you're helping people buy into a philosophy you're helping people actually you're changing attitudes and beliefs through a story that says this is what we all agree is a happy ending
0: yeah and you don't realize that when you go to a good movie that you like it somehow changed your belief about the world yeah you don't know what's happening but yeah. that, that's what that movie is doing. Yeah. It, it adjusts or at least the challenged your it,
1: you know, because it made yeah. you think whether you think you thought or not. It heads toward <laughs> a
0: direction. Yeah. A movie, a story is presenting a sales pitch to you about what matters in life. Yeah.
1: People have like vision boards and things like right. that. That's part of, yeah. Have you ever had a, like a moment where you're like, I visualized this happy ending and then made it essentially work towards it in your own story?
0: Yes. I mean, that happens almost every year with goal setting. Yeah. Well, uh, friends and I rode our bicycles across America. So yeah. We started in Los Angeles, ended in Delaware. And even before we started pedaling, I was imagining what it would be like to arrive at the Atlantic Ocean, having ridden across the country. Yeah. And then, of course, every day for seven weeks, we'd do between 75 and 100. And I think my biggest day was 120. Yeah. You were just imagining. The Atlantic, the Atlantic. And the more tension there is in a story, the more release there is and the more joy there is at the climactic scene. Yeah. I remember being in Joshua Tree National Park. It was over 110 degrees that day. We did over 100 miles in 110 degree heat. And I just remember thinking, the Atlantic doesn't exist. Yeah. This whole thing is (laughs) like, this country will never, ever end. Yes. And of course, when we got there, it was probably... Top five, most, my wedding would be another one. I got mm-hmm. married at 42. Talk about s- just yeah. tension <laughs> yeah. you know, building up for a long yeah. time. Uh, that would be another. That would trump everything probably. But the more tension there is, the more release there is in that climactic scene. And it yeah. lived up. Like the actual throwing our bicycles into the Atlantic <sighs> Ocean. <clears throat> Did you bawl your eyes out? You know, we were too busy just... Laughing and, and so, it, happy. I'm like, we were te- so I'm like I'm getting teary
1: now. Like I'm literally getting yeah. teary now, picturing you throwing your bike. We had, you know, the big
0: moment for me is we really needed to wear our helmets all the way across America, and they yeah. can be kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. And that last five miles, everybody just decided we're not doing this. And we took, <laughs> and they're like, they're probably helmets in a cornfield right now. Uh No, I'm kidding. Somebody picked them up. And then on our last day, for whatever reason, we had a bunch of people riding with us, uh-huh. and then we stopped ten miles out and said. Hey guys, we need to do this one by ourselves. We're going to do yeah. the final ten miles by ourselves. It was just really unbelievable.
1: Imagining that scene right now, I mean, yeah. I'm not kidding. I'm getting teary. about no, it. I get, like,
0: I get choked up. We just had our ten year reunion with all those guys, oh my and gosh. Uh, that story changed our lives forever, as all stories do. Yeah. What you want to do is a marketing agent as a brand. Yeah. Is you want to figure out that what is the throwing your bike into the Atlantic? What is yeah. riding, riding like as it relates to your customer? Yeah. And you want to talk about that over and over and over and over. <laughs> you want to show them what life looks like if they do business with you.
1: And don't assume. Don't assume they know. Don't
0: assume they know. They do not know. You have to help them picture it.
1: Today's interview is with David Purcell. David
0: owns a retreat center, a resort, called Purcell Farms in Alabama. Uh And I actually went to Purcell Farms, didn't know anything about it, and discovered a really fascinating and wonderful place. They have a golf course in the middle of Alabama that is gorgeous. Yeah, I mean stunning. Hole number five is a signature hole anywhere in the world. They built a resort, so they've got, you know, 100 hotel rooms and all these kinds of things. And that was interesting to me. It was really great. Food was great. Golf was great. Everything was great. But what was even more fascinating is how it got to be there. Yeah. And how it got to be there was the Purcell family sold fertilizer to golf courses. And they invented a technology that is a time release fertilizer. So almost like a pill that you swallow that's, you know, extended release or whatever, yeah, yeah. it goes throughout the day. That's what these fertilizer pellets do. And they invented this. They were. A small company, I think he told me like they were a $10 million company, not very big, and they needed to compete with hundreds and hundreds of million dollar companies, and they didn't know how to do it, and they didn't have the money to send sales reps all over the world. That's extremely expensive. So they thought, wait a second, we've got this beautiful land. Let's create a golf course and invite golf course managers here to stay at a lodge, and we will show them the power of this, and they exploded. Yeah. It's an interesting business paradigm shift. I got another friend, he sold boxes. I mean, he sold packaging. Mm-hmm. I think it was a billion dollar company. And he took all his sales teams off the road. He created inside of a warehouse a sample packaging fulfillment plant that was fake. Yeah. That he could just show Pepsi and Coke and all these companies about how they could do packaging. And he would bring customers in and show them what their warehouse could look like and how much more efficient their and beautiful their packaging could be. Yeah. And they exploded. Yeah. And I thought, this is really interesting. You actually create an environment where you can bring potential clients in and show them what their life can look like if they use your product and service. Yeah. And so we talked to David Purcell about how he made this work. And Since then, he sold the company, sold the patent. They no longer own the fertilizer. But they still own the resort. Uh-huh. And so they've <laughs> turned it into this. And they actually are StoryBrand alumni. They yeah. came to a StoryBrand yep. workshop. And figured out, you know, this is a guy who sold fertilizer all his life. Now he's selling hospitality. They hired the Ritz-Carlton to do the customer experience kind of stuff. So it's really a high-end experience. So he's figuring it out. And they actually came to StoryBrand, and they were wondering what's their offer, what's their differentiator in the market. And through the StoryBrand workshop, just sitting there, they realized what we really sell is an experience of southern hospitality. Yeah. So if you want to go somewhere to experience what they call southern hospitality, it's for self the farms. Yep. They're already living it out, but now they're living it out as a stated mission yeah. on their staff, and they figured that out at the StoryBrand workshop. They're going to explode. Yeah. They also have a corn dog in the clubhouse. Uh-huh. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You had me at corn dog. No, it is unbelievable. See, you just cast I, I, you just yeah. cast
1: success for me. Like if you want to talk any success for me, talk about corn dogs.
0: Here's what's going to happen though. <laughs> David's going to listen to this podcast. He's going to go. We spent millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars on a golf course. Uh We spent tens of millions of dollars on beautiful facilities. We spend tens of million dollars on customer service and Don remembers the corn dog. (laughs) I would say, Dave, I know you're listening. The corn dog is that good. Uh, Here's my conversation with David uh, Purcell. If you've ever wondered, you know, how can we get more business and how can we show people what it is that our customers can experience if they do business with us? Here's a unique creative take on showing them the success they can experience. Here's my interview with David Purcell. I've experienced Purcell Farms, but it's such a beautiful place, beautiful golf course, beautiful retreat center, beautiful housing, a lot of times used for corporate events. Tell me how it got started and how you built this beautiful thing in the middle of Alabama.
2: Well, this uh, gorgeous piece of property that my father bought years ago. I had a big idea to use it as a strategy to sell fertilizer,
0: primarily for golf courses. And your dad's company was a fertilizer company. Is that right? Yes. Okay. But somebody there, was it your dad who invented a time-release capsule the fertilizer could go in? Not exactly, but that kind of came through transition from
2: uh, capturing fertilizer out of the back end of animals back in 1904 to actually putting a polymer coating on a fertilizer to make it— last over time. That was a nuance in what golf courses needed, took away having to put fertilizer out, say once a week or once a month, and actually being able to do that maybe
0: uh, once a year. So your labor goes down if you're running a golf course. Again, we're gonna get to how the retreat center happened because that's where the company is now, but how it got there was you guys were in the fertilizer business. We
2: were in the fertilizer business, and uh, I lived out on the farm, and my parents lived on the other side of the farm, and there was 3,200 acres in between us. At the time, there was no golf course out, there There's just farmland. No golf course, just farmland, cows. I had six children. My wife and I used to put these kids on four-wheelers, and we would drive across all of this beautiful rolling land in Alabama, me as a very creative person, my mind started going. This thing took 25 years to develop.
0: You know, here's a fertilizer company. I imagine you're doing well, but you're not a global competitor probably with a lot of folks. And you were involved in orchestrating some strategy at the company that made it explode very quickly and allowed you to compete and even beat some behemoths in the industry. And you go out to Purcell Farms right now, like I have. Accommodations are beautiful. The staff is amazing. Hospitality is amazing. One of the first things you notice that you're a partner with Orvis, a national clothing and fly fishing and shooting brand, a sportsman's brand. You're a partner with Club Car, the number one maker, I would imagine, of golf carts in the industry. Correct. Uh, I mean, it's just an enormous success. When you and I talked when we were out there in Alabama, you told me the story of how that almost didn't happen, but one little thing made it take off. Tell me that story again.
2: It's really just using Southern hospitality and building relationships with end users. We were from silicoga Alabama, a family-owned fertilizer business. We and were, if you don't
0: know Silicaga, probably not even a stoplight at that time, right? Well,
2: it's the home of Gomer Pyle. <laughs>
0: okay, that's Jim what you for. Jim <laughs> uh,
2: introduced my mother and my father, which is part of, uh, you know, Your I wouldn't family be here legacy, if, yeah. if it wasn't for Gomer Pyle. So just using hospitality to uh, build relationships with potential end users.
0: At the time, there were 16,000 golf course superintendents in the country. How expensive is it to send sales reps to 16,000 golf courses and with a briefcase and try to pitch them on your fertilizer? Yeah,
2: so the classic way to do it, other fertilizer companies would do that on a national scale, and including Canada, might be to hire, say, 100 salespeople. Each of those had a fully burdened cost of probably $125,000 each, and then they go out and they go to these little golf courses out there in which the superintendent is at work and really does not give them quality time to really be able to do that they, I, they
0: smell a salesman coming and yes they, they and it's
2: it all uh, you know they go in they talk football and they talk whatever fishing and then they may have five minutes to you know to talk about a product or whatever I saw that as very very inefficient so um,
0: inefficient and ineffective. I mean, it's it's, not closing enough deals.
2: I don't think it was a great service to the customer either because it was kind of taking time. The salesman would come in and uh, kind of unannounced. It just wasn't working. I, I went to lots of these types of sales calls. And so I said, okay, if we're going to truly jump the shark, what we ought to do is we need to create what I call the Epcot of golf. Yes. Which is at... Purcell Farms, Farm Links Golf Club. That's the name of the club, But the golf course was just a tool in which we could showcase our fertilizer products
0: in a living laboratory setting. Well, I want to make sure everybody understands, because if you go to this place now, and you should, a world-class golf course, world-class facilities for hundreds of people to stay in, world-class amenities for you to bring your small company or some clients, entertain them. It feels like that's what it was built to be, but it wasn't. It was actually built as a model golf course to show off technology and fertilizer. And the reason that is so important, I think, is it's a story brand principle. If you show people what their life can look like if they use your product, they're going to be more likely to buy it. And so for me, the real story is you would have at least $1.25 million worth of hard costs sending sales reps out. That's going to be inefficient and ineffective. Or you put some of that money into creating an environment, inviting people to see the successful ending to their problem, and you're going to close more deals. I'm curious as to what's the difference between you guys trying to go out and sell fertilizer to you inviting people in to actually see the end product and the hospitality too. You can't take away from the fact that the friendliness and the human connection that you guys are creating there at Purcell Farms is pretty substantial. What's the difference in bottom line between the two models? It was huge because, so these prospective customers that we would bring in,
2: they did not know us, okay? So they were used to all the big branded fertilizer companies And no out other there.
0: fertilizer company were inviting people to to a specific place no, to stay in a was, room and eat some meals and look at the
2: Correct, it, we jumped the shark on that idea none of these big competitors that we had was willing to take the risk to go out and to try to do something so unique and so differently. So we were able to bring these potential customers in. We never brought in more than 20 at
0: the time. We would bring
2: in two groups a week, for 42 weeks out of the year. And at the
0: time you built a smaller lodge, right? You have the big lodge now, but you built a small building to house them. We did. It was
2: an eight bedroom lodge and we had a guest house. We had a total of 21 rooms on property. They would come in for a three day, two night stay over. Okay. And it was very scripted out, but we did not give them the script. Okay. So there was not an agenda. Kind of like the Hotel California, you could know? <laughs> check out anytime you want, but you can never leave until the end of, uh, until the end of your, your stay. Your performance. So it was great because it was like summer camp and these people got to know not just our products, but they also got to know the Purcell family. We lived out there. My parents lived out there. I had my mother and my father come to a dinner one night. My wife and I would come the next night and it was you all about trust. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Trust was the key thing. So, you know, the prospective customers actually turned into customers. We had a 90% conversion rate, which is
0: huge. I've never seen that really yeah, in but any I business. I want to repeat that 90% of the people who would come in and stay for three days went away from your competitor's
2: fertilizer and signed with you. That is true. So what we wanted them to do is to do a transaction to get our product on their golf course, we were selling a very, very good product. I mean, we highly, highly believed in a product. So so the goal was not to try to sell them something once because it was a value sale. Our product actually cost more than the competition, but because we could make the product last longer, it actually saved the superintendent labor. Labor. Right. You know, there was some safety factors with it as well. But to be able to try to sell a very complicated story, going through channels and having a sales guy out there or whatever, distributors, it was just not workable. But if we could bring them in, take them to our plant, they would talk to our engineers, we would put them in a classroom, show them all kinds of graphs and things. But the final thing that we did was we would take them out onto this golf course that was specifically designed to showcase the most innovative technologies in golf. We had partners then too. We had Toro, which was the number one brand. So they were,
0: Toro was paying a little bit to be around, so you could also I, demonstrate their absolutely, product. Absolutely,
2: because they had a captive group of these yeah, end users yeah. coming in and their competitors weren't there. Okay, so then we had BASF, another big player in the plant chemistry standpoint mentioned Club Car. Club Car is still a partner of ours. yeah. so all of this worked very well. The company, we were doing this program for about nine years. and actually in the eighth year we had three companies come in. This was in 2005, uh, got into a little bit of a bidding war. For this little small town fertilizer business, when you say small town. I never saw a town. It was, must
0: have been a really small town. <laughs> yes. Well, there you go. I mean,
2: that that highlights my point. So, they sold it. We sold, it, we sold it in August of two thousand and six. Which, if you recall, oh, right was a before, great time to right, sell a business. Great time to sell anything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we exited the fertilizer business, but we were left with this farm with all these
0: assets. So before we get there, let me just go through how big were you guys before that eight year stretch and how big were you when you sold the company so what what was the difference between a contemporary like let's go out and try to sell things versus let's invite people to experience the success they can have what's the difference financially so just from the market
2: standpoint we went from when we first got started with this business we had another type of fertilizer product as well but we were number six in the country as far as controlled release fertilizers and we took that to become the number 1
0: controlled release product and, and, sold and on golf your courses number in six the 6 is nice but the difference between number 6 and number 1 was probably astronomical i mean it was probably Oh absolutely a big, yeah. absolutely and, and um, you took down the big guys so the way that i put it was i achieved
2: the american dream i had a great product i found a unique way to sell it i built relationships with the customers to the point to where you know, I still have relationships with these golf course superintendents, but I haven't seen them, most of them in 12 years. Yeah. You know, and we sold the business at a big multiple for businesses that we were in at the right time and were able to launch into this new
0: business model that we've got. That well, well, let's talk, talk about. about that. You kept the patent or the license to the actual time release stuff, right? Or no, you sold we sold, the company? sold, we sold Everything. all of that. Yes. So now you're left with this infrastructure of a Gorgeous golf course. It World was all class hospitality. And then you had 20 rooms, did you say? We actually had 21 total rooms on property at that time. And you wanted to know, okay, what do we do with this? Excuse me, 21 total beds. You're 21 right. total yeah. beds. Mm-hmm. Now, did you actually say, okay, we're not using this facility to show off our golf course anymore to people who need to buy fertilizer. Did you immediately say, well, we should pivot into a corporate environment? Because it's a golf club, but you're far enough away from Birmingham. It's about an hour. You're not gonna have a successful golf course that far away from a population center. You had something you had to do with this. Did you get the idea immediately to make it a corporate space or what did you think?
2: Not really. In fact, after you get a pile of money and you achieve the American dream, it does give you a little bit of time to kind of think through, okay, well now what are we gonna do with this? Nothing out there was ever built for anything other than the strategy. I never really thought through, okay, one day this is yeah. going to become a resort just, property.
0: Did you have 18 holes back in the day, or did you just have a few? No, maybe? we had
2: we had 18 holes. You
0: had 18 full holes. Wow.
2: And of course, FarmLinks was designed by a very reputable couple of guys, Herdson and Fry, and they also designed the U.S. Open course for last year's wow. U.S. Open, Aaron Hills. You know, it's the number one ranked public golf course in Alabama for the last seven years it's a phenomenal thing that we've got now so that was one of the
0: jewels we had it's to it's the number one ranked public golf course in Alabama and it's about an hour to get there out of Birmingham and and people love it it's it's, it's just such awesome. a unique story that because you come up on hole number five and you remember no, that no, I remember hole number five I'll right. never forget hole number five hole number five is a signature golf course anywhere in the world I think it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen and you sit there and go, they built this to show off fertilizer <laughs> an hour away from
2: Birmingham. Yeah, And it's such I, a I I would say that that hole wasn't necessarily to show off fertilizer. It was really a way to show off the farm because it's got a yeah, you got 17-story beautiful view up on top. drop from tea to green, and you're literally looking out over the valley. And it's probably one of the most photographed holes, certainly in Alabama, but probably in the United
0: States. Oh, I think so. And so you've got that, and then light bulbs suddenly go on, and you said— we could use these 20 beds for corporate events and then that's how it shaped into what it is now
2: it was really going through a lot of thought as to what we were going to do i think the big difference between purcell farms and a lot of other places the owners actually live there my wife calls it who has now, done you look all across the decorating the street see your house correct and but she says that we live above the storefront and we do to do anything halfway hurts us. If we ever hear any, even uh, the semblance of dissatisfaction in a part of somebody's stay, we are on it immediately. Yeah, We want to do things excellently. It, you know, represents the farm. My parents lived out there. My wife and I raised six children. Two of the uh, children are married now. Two girls, they're raising their families out there. So, everything that we do is a reflection on the Purcell family, which is part of our brand.
0: We'll be back with the rest of my interview with David Purcell in just a moment. Hey, what are you doing April 14th through 16th? If you're not doing anything or if you are doing something that's very important, cancel it. Because we have a StoryBrand live marketing workshop coming up. It starts Sunday night, April 14th in Nashville, Tennessee. we got a big dessert Hundreds of business leaders will be there. They're wondering how to clarify their message. They're wondering how to grow their company. And we do 48 of the most effective and productive hours you will ever spend growing your business. It starts Sunday night, Monday morning, 8 a.m. We teach you the framework. We summarize it. But then we actually focus on your brand for two days, and we clarify your message. Then Tuesday after lunch, we stop doing that, and we take that clear message, and we teach you the actual things you need to create with that message. A one liner, a website, an email campaign, all things that will grow your business. You will leave with two things a clear message and a marketing plan that works. And it's a cost effective marketing plan. You will probably be able to spend less money, not more, less money on marketing after you come. If you want to figure out your marketing in two days, if you want to check that box and say, I've got my marketing down, I'm going to move on to other things. You need to come to the StoryBrand Live Marketing Workshop April 14th through 16th. You can register at storybrand.com. Register at storybrand.com and attend the live marketing workshop. Make sure you register today at storybrand.com. We will see you in Nashville. What do people use it for now? Because you built a whole other lodge. It's not just 22 rooms. How many rooms is it now?
2: Yeah. Well, it's a total of 81 rooms now. So there's convening
0: space, there's meeting rooms, there's...
2: Yeah, so our strategy is like the Olympic logo. It's got the five rings, but so we have Farm Links, which is the best in golf in Alabama. We have Orvis Shooting Grounds, which mm-hmm. is the shooting sport. So those are two anchors as far as, you know, what a lot of businesses or people or, you know, weddings, that are coming out there, they love having those two main anchors. our corporate business is huge. a lot of the businesses that are possibly listening to this podcast bring their come teams down. they bring their teams in, they do entertain clients board meetings, they do a, you know a number of things now we can 't hold five hundred people, but we do a great job with you know say up to about one hundred and fifty
0: people yeah and it really is amazing because as we' got the tour of the place you 've got four or five. Uh, cottages there that are really close together. Master's Row. Master's Row, and it's beautifully, beautifully, I mean really, you guys, beautifully landscaped. It's hard to get your team to feel like a family when you're stuck in an office in a familiar place, but you put yourself in four or five cottages and have some meetings, have some great meals out there on the lawn, and you come away different, and you play a little golf together on a beautiful golf course and shoot some clay pigeons, and you guys do a little fly fishing out there as well. And we did a four-wheeler, or what is it called? The, the ATV ride. UTV ride. UTV that was just ride. hilarious. <laughs> it's so fun. I just get a big smile on any of those things. But you have some experiences like that. And that's to me, it's what's really neat about Purcell Farms, other than some place like Blackberry that I really love and some of these other places, is that the spirit of the place from the very beginning was to practice Southern hospitality as a way of growing business. The DNA of the place is very The food is amazing. That's the best corn dog. I have to say it's a corn dog. It's more like a gourmet corn dog thing that I've ever had. The food's amazing. The experience is amazing. But really the heart of the place is one family trying to explain how they have a product that really could make somebody's life easier and better and make them more money. And that spirit is still kind of there without being corporate or salesy. I thought it was just a wonderful accomplishment and a great way to pivot a business. I think the thing
2: that whether it be a wedding that's going on out there or a business meeting, is that you are in an undistracted environment. You're in the middle of God's creation, elevation up to 1,100 feet, just beautiful pastures and uh, the longhorn uh, <laughs> cattle that are yeah. they greet you when you're driving in. But that undistracted environment really allows people the chance to slow down. And uh, what a lot of people talk about is the sense of peace that they get when they're driving in. Because the drive from the front entrance back to where you check in is two and a half miles. And it takes you a little while, but it's so beautiful, you're just kind of taking in the sights. I think that's the real differentiating factor for us. You know, Blackberry's great. I've been there before, it's awesome. We're just a much more affordable version (laughs) of that as well, which is key. And I think we have more things to do as well with the golf course and the shooting grounds and uh, you know the UTV rides and horseback riding. We you know, have a little small spa there as well. so it's dynamic. it continues to grow. I'm here at the Story Brand uh, <laughs> seminar, wanting to learn how to you know, take our brand even further and to communicate that correctly. Well, I
0: think as you guys have transitioned and pivoted into this, that's not going to be very difficult to do. The hard thing is building the place. (laughs) The easy thing is messaging it, but we'll get that figured out. David, thank you for literally inviting us into your home, onto your family land. What you've done is really beautiful out there. Well, thank you so much. All right. Grateful for your time. Did it doesn't make you want to build a golf course?
1: I want to go so bad, and I really want that corn dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's I cannot stop thinking amazing. about he's the not, corn dog. I
0: hope they didn't take it off the menu because yeah. he's got to put it back now. Yeah. It's a great place. It's a retreat center. It's a great place to take your team. So we're yeah. going to do team meetings there because it's yeah. like a four-hour drive, maybe uh, five-hour drive, maybe from here. Yeah, at that? No, it's about a four-hour drive from yeah. Nashville. They have cottages that you can do meetings there. They have fly fishing. Orvis has an actual shop on campus mm-hmm. that you can uh, go shoot clay pigeons, and they have like tons of clothes. I bought like two pair of pants and a bunch of shirts there. Anyway, it's a great place. The golf course, of course, is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. If you have a corporate retreat coming up, they're not sponsors. Yeah. They're actually our clients. They're yeah. just alumni. Yeah. But it's a wonderful, wonderful place. And it all started because they wanted to sell fertilizer. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's like the, the greatest impetus to be there is actually experience Like, and to come back and say, how do we do this? Yes. How do we do oh, this yeah. in our business? How yep. do we show people, you know, how can we demonstrate what a financial life can look like? Here's the one thing you want to do visually show your customers what their lives yes. will look like yes. visually do it on your website you need to have pictures of smiley happy people using your product yep. show them if you have a podcast like this one do stories of transformation we didn't even get into that we have a scoreboard in our office yeah. that is just stories of transformation so guy walked up to me in Los Angeles i was at whole food in downtown Los Angeles last week and a guy walks up to me and says i'm sorry are you Donald Miller and i said yes and he said your Building story has changed my life. I'm a virtual reality designer, and here's all the things it's done. It's helped me move up in my own company, just understanding how to do marketing in this way. Yeah. Now that we have the stories of his name is Joe, stories of transformation scoreboard, I need to get Joe's name, put it on a post-it note, and put it on the potential story, and then it moves on the scoreboard, which is in our kitchen, kitchen at the office. Moves from the scoreboard from there to Richard Goff, one of our editors, has taken a look and called the guy. And then it moves into production. And then it moves into this. And then it was into published. Yeah. Which means we have actively created a way to tell stories of people whose lives have been transformed by StoryBrand. Yeah. And that's just great marketing. Yeah. It's terrific marketing, terrific advertising to tell stories of what happens to you when you use our product. And you've got to do it. The one thing, though, visually on your website, go through your website and say, can I see with my eyes what happens? After I use your product.
1: And going back to what we said before, it has to be specific and clear. So if you think, well, they're going to have a mountaintop experience, and so I'm going to put a mountain on my website. No. no. That's not that's it. That's <laughs> confusing. Yeah. That's not specific and clear. We want to see people experiencing your product or post-experiencing your product. And, you know, can I can
0: already sense the questions. You know, Don, I'm a roofer. Do I show pictures of a new roof? A new roof looks kind of like an old roof. No. You show a picture of the new roof and maybe a customer leaning out the window happy yeah. at the new roof, yep. right? You have to actually equate it to human emotion. Yep. And that's the key.
1: Or your construction crew on site, but it's a clean site, you happy construction workers and the families outside engaged right. with it. That's right.
0: Now, if this is too complicated, what you want to do is you want to get your entire staff together at your next team meeting. And every team meeting, you want to tell a simple story about a customer being satisfied. You know, Jane bought our product and immediately her headaches went away and yeah. she wrote this letter. Here's what you're doing to your entire team. You're feeding them with the stories they can tell other people. Yep. And they will. Yep. But pass around those stories of transformation, those stories of success over and over and make it part just embed it in the culture of your organization to yeah. intake those stories and tell them again. Yeah. And that's how viral word begins to spread. That is the seventh and final part of the StoryBrand Framework. You now have seven episodes that you can go back through. Have your entire team listen to these seven episodes. And again, that's going to teach you the framework. My book, Building a StoryBrand, will teach you the framework. Make sure you buy it and have everybody read it. But if you want us to hold your hand and walk with you through the process and make sure you get it right, come see us at a live workshop. You register at storybrand.com. We certainly hope you've enjoyed this seven-part series. JJ, it's one of the funnest things we've it. done. I love it. Everybody, we're so grateful that you stuck with us for seven weeks. Yes. Next week, we're really launching the year. Next yeah. week, if you will, yeah. we interview Governor Bill Haslam. I know. Bill has left the office of Governor of Tennessee. did eight wonderful years. Yeah. He took our rainy day fund from about a quarter million to over $900 million. Yeah. Actually, the governor's going to listen to that. It's more than $900 million, but I don't want to be the guy who exaggerates. Yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. That's what he did with our rainy day fund, while also growing the economy at an unbelievable pace. He's contributed to the team, I should say, he would want me to say. Mm -hmm. That has beat the national average in employment. Unemployment rate is 3.9% nationwide. He beat those numbers in Tennessee. I don't know how you beat 3.9%, but he's done it. And he did not raise taxes, and he created a program called Tennessee Promise that gives free college education to anybody who graduates from high school in the state of Tennessee can go to a junior college and have the state pay for it. This is a Republican governor. Who did this? I get choked up just thinking about this guy. He became a friend because he's a neighbor. We actually accidentally moved into the neighborhood where the governor's mansion is. We live on what I call the poor side of the neighborhood. (laughs) You go like two streets over, the houses get a lot bigger. We became friends and he's been an inspiration to me. He actually talked to us about leadership, Mm -hmm. about what he learned about leadership serving in one of the most stressful and powerful positions in the country, governor of a state. And it's a fascinating conversation. You don't want to miss my interview with Bill Hausman. He's also uh, head of the Republican Governors Association. So he had 33 or 39 governors who were part of that association and uh, he was their leader too. Mm -hmm. And they reelected him twice. I'll talk more about Bill and and kind of my story with him next week, but you don't want to miss next week's interview. It's going to be inspirational if you are a leader. It's with Bill Haslam. Also, you want to get my book, Building a Story Brand. You can get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. It's a book that teaches you the story brand framework. I think it's the only book you need on marketing, certainly the only book you need to clarify your message. If you need more, then this is certainly where to start. Go get Building a Story Brand. It's the book that makes marketing simple. It'll clear the fog for you, and it'll actually inspire you. You'll want to do marketing after you finish reading the book. Get it on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's music on Spotify or on iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a StoryBrand Podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.